and welcome along to the latest episode of the How the F*** Do You Implement Service Operations podcast. Uh, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Ashley Foxton. Ash, how are we doing? Happy Monday, Phil. We're back again. Happy Monday, indeed, my friend. I'm delighted to say this week we are joined by Dawn Seymour. And Dawn is the Digital Ops product owner uh, for the um, the kind of the whole program that we're talking about here within Grid. Uh, so hi, Dawn. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Excellent. So, I mean, as we've got the head honcho, the superwoman, I think, is the, uh, the phrase that has been used to describe her on more than one occasion and runs the whole project. There's no better time than to kick off with the weekly project updates as right now. So let's get straight into it. Weekly project updates. And I actually laugh and giggles like a, a school child every time that jingle plays. I love it. Um, so, in a bit of a break from the norm, I'm going to give the quick UWP. Um, uh, sorry, I'm going to give the Azure program update. And then, as we've got Dawn on the phone or on the on the episode this week, there is literally no better person to deliver the UWP update. So, um, yes, Dawn, UWP. Do you want to give us a rundown of how we're standing in the program? What's an all good, bad, ugly? Tell the folks what's going on. Yeah, sure. Um, so UWP 1.0, we're calling it, because we actually have a new UWP 2.0 close on the heels, um, which is a, a new platform that's going to be used uh, in a few years' time. So for UWP 1.0, we've gone through our standard process of problem statements and updates and the aggregation of the data, the shipping methods are all in. We've got a couple of other shipping methods that we still haven't quite yet put in. There's eight uh, log sources in total. We've done six successfully. We've still got a couple that we have a few teething problems with the shipping Um method, but actually the, the team are confident to get those resolved. But in the meantime, those six, we're now doing user adoption on because it gives the team, the alerting team that do all the support, this is going to save them such a huge amount of time and, and effort going forward. You know, compared to 200 email alerts coming in, they're going to have them aggregated into a single place. So they're, they're really excited. They're on board. Can't lie. We're struggling a little bit with the user adoption. It's a new thing. It's a it's a new tool. It's exciting to us, but to these guys, it's all new. So we're having a few teething problems getting the team to understand the concept and getting them to understand how it's going to help them. But actually, we had a fantastic training session on Friday where they were actually flowing through themselves. So I'd say it's a little bit of a risk at the moment. We're a bit behind schedule on user adoption. And obviously, we're a little bit behind schedule on all eight log sources, but we're in a really strong position right now. And actually, I think we'll probably be on schedule 2.0. That's actually coming along with one API to be aggregated in. And actually, the team have already bottomed out the shipping methods. So we're on schedule for that. And that's due to go live to production this Friday. So it was really, really quickly. So um, we've had to get the team to pull out all the stops and they've been their usual fantastic self. So that's pretty much where we are with UWP. Excellent. And there's some good points you mentioned there specifically around user adoption. And I want to talk to you about onboarding methodology, but we'll save that for after we've, we finish the updates because okay. I think uh, that that's quite, quite important to, to bottom out. Um, just quickly on the Azure piece, uh, I'm looking at the project report. We're showing green. However, I actually contended the status of green versus amber. 
before we kicked off because we have extended um, Michal for a couple of additional weeks. So we could say that I think overall we're green. Schedule, we're probably amber because there's a few bits to pick up. Risks and issues, uh, we're, we're green. And resources, we're green, obviously, because we just pushed that through. Uh, however, I'm looking at a dashboard in front of me that's showing uh, discovery statistics over the last seven days, showing 1,500 um, out of the cloud, which is awesome, and then showing all of the streaming feeds going in. Um, so, Ashley, would you agree that that's a fair update as to where we are? Yeah, I think so, Phil. Um, do we want to do the DCT one as well? Have you got that one in front of Go for it. Go for it. So I think on the DCT, we're still green. Um, we've got some work going on. I think Discovery is going live into production. So as workloads are getting migrated across to the new data centers from the old data centers, they're getting discovered and they're getting picked up for any um, performance or events that are getting triggered by SolarWinds or VRealize Ops. So we could say two soft ambers and one green. Is that fair? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Excellent. Fantastic. And that concludes this week's weekly project update. Weekly project update. Excellente. So, Dawn, I want to come straight back into yourself if I can um, and just kind of ask about that resource, um, not resource, that user adoption piece, because this is something that is, you know, hugely important. We can go and deliver the best program in the world and the best technical capability in the world. You know, and the old saying is you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. So what issues specifically are you seeing your side around user adoption and maybe any resistance? And then how are we planning uh, or what steps are we taking to overcome that and, and bring them along the journey with us, right? Because it is a journey to the promised land. Absolutely. It's, it's, a, it's a brand new tool and a brand new way of working. So to get the teams that are entrenched in their own ways of working is quite difficult to get them to change. So um, it's been a bit of a learning curve for us. Um, not going to lie. This is one of our first sort of lighthouses that we've gone pretty much all the way through to actually being used in production. Um, we've struggled to get champions. We've struggled to get uh, names, bums on seats for the training sessions. Um, we've managed to onboard about six. We only had three of the support teams to the, both sets of training sessions. From a learning curve from that, uh, we are definitely doing the next lighthouse differently. Okay, so we are going, it's got to be top down. We've got to do this pincer movement. We've got to go. The message has got to come from much higher up that this is the new tool and this is the way to go. We've got to get the champion name uh, and that person to help us lead. Who who are we? We're just a team that comes along and says we're de developing a, a product that's useful for you. They need somebody in their own teams that have the strong belief that this is going to change how they work and it's going to benefit them. So, we made a, a little bit of an error by not having a single point of contact who is as driven as we are to get this in and get this used. Um, we, we need to get that for UWP um, in a stronger way. But for the next delivery, which is close on its heels, um, we need to get that sorted. So and then from the bottom up, we need to get the right alerts, um, the right teams. And the reason I say alerts in there is that what we discovered in training was that the team who were joining us were the alerts team. So we started to train them and we started to go on ahead. And we paused the training and I said, guys, you look, you look a little bit confused about this particular part. And they said, we don't look at the raw code. We just look at the alerts. I said, well, what happens then? 
who does the looking at the raw code and look at the root cause. And they said, well, we hand that to team two. Didn't mm. know there was a team two, right? So there's in this particular team, the, the support teams are split into two. They have the teams that do the alerts that come in, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of emails that they have to sift through and see what, you know, where they might go. And then they hand it off to somebody else. Right. Now, we didn't actually have clarity on that. So, again, a lot of lessons learned is actually, come on, guys, we need to capture the end-to-end process of how this actually gets supported now. So there's a real as-is and a to-be, and I think we missed that in our process on the project. I've only been here, I think, five, maybe six weeks. We're we're starting. We've completely changed the way that the team structure all of the stories in the agile way. That's just one of the many that we've slotted in and said, right, get an as-is support process, and then we can demonstrate a to-be support process. If we I think there's a real opportunity there to, um, to standardize support models across the organization as well, right? So if you've got you know, team A or function A operates, you know, first, second, and third line with a, you know, and I'm simplifying that model, different support um, streams, and they've got like a front end that just sifts and lifts and shifts the data. You've got team uh, B that basically just has one technical team and so forth, and it's supported in a very different way. Where the platform allows, you might be able to standardize your support model and simplify the ways of working throughout Grid as well. I think that will be a huge benefit to the Mm. company. And I think that may happen, but it's a few years ahead yet. I think once this tool is in and we can demonstrate the time savings alone, then you can work, well, actually, the process from going to team A to team B to team C to resolution or whatever the process is, by using the AI ops functionality and the observability end to end, it can be changed. I think, I mean, it's a great shout, Phil. You know, I, I do think that the support piece of it does could be reviewed. It's not for us to do that right now. We've done barely one lighthouse and we're already seeing benefits in support for sure. Yeah. Right, so park that. We'll put that on the intake for looking at the um, the support future down the line. But yeah, completely. Yeah. Ashley, have you got anything you wanted to add into that? No, not really. Not really. No, I mean Dawn's the expert on the user adoption piece. Um, I wouldn't say that. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I would. <laughs> you you know. Okay, and then the other piece we, we, we touched upon was the, um, the standardization or that sausage factory of yeah. onboarding services and, and you know, the swathe of activities that go on behind that, which I don't think we've ever covered off. And I don't think probably many people appreciate, you know, to onboard and lift and shift a service into this new capability. Yeah. Uh, and Ashley was talking about, uh, again, I think just before we came on air, that you've got this really... Um, you know, kind of bottomed out approach and on how you how you go about this. I think our listeners would really be interested in that. Uh, it's really important, even though we're agile and we want to work in an agile way, that mm. we understand at what point in any of the uh, onboarding we are. I just to say, I joined as product manager six weeks ago. And when I arrived and was looking at the stories and looking at how the team were working, I couldn't really pinpoint. So where are we in the mm. progress of the project okay so we sort of looked at this and we we were needed to get a definition of done as well from the business at which point do we hand this over because you could just keep going right forever the teams could just keep tweaking this and tweaking that we need to be able to stop and move to the next one 
And the other thing to bear in mind, Phil, is we're hoping and we will be. I mean, the word is getting out. The intake, the backlog is going to be really full. So this team needs to have this kind of cookie cutter, continual flow all the way through. So I'm going to refer to just looking at my uh, screen at the moment. So apologies for that. But essentially what we did is I wanted to break it down into um, chunks of work so that the stories could be assigned easily. And at any mm-hmm. point, I know where we were. So obviously the first thing is the intake. Identify the application service. Get the problem statement from the business and also the ask. What is it the business wants us to do? What is it the business assumes that we're going to be able to help them with, you know? So find that out, bottom that out. That's probably down to myself and also Margaret, who's the, the product owner. We kind of meet the business and find out the problem. Then the team go away and they do what they call service decomposition. So this is go find the technical requirements, the log sources, where they are, what the shipping methods are, all of that. So set of stories for that. Then data aggregation, identify, do the shipping, um, I was just reading my screen right here. Oh, yes, the issues with with one of the log sources we've got. So this is where they really get into the depths of the log source Mm. themselves. Now we have an external touch point. We have to go and engage with the CMDB. So that's all around service mapping. Are we okay with our CMDB? Have we got the correct mapping in place? Are we good to load this, to onboard this? Then it's all down to... Uh, engaging with security, another external touch point. So data mapping, source type structures, um, encryption at rest, encryption and transit, you know, all of those sort of things. Data redaction, really important about that. We've got to make sure security are on board with everything that we put on. Then we talk to the business about alerts, event rules. How do they want this to work? How do they want them to be captured? It's all business related. Make sure that we're meeting their requirements. Now, really important for for the business is the measurables, reporting, dashboards, personas. Who's going to use this? Who's going to see it? How useful, how friendly can we make this? Uh, Mm -hmm. It's got to be a visually represented system. Then you've got the handover, uh, user adoption, training, early life support, all of those types of things. And that sort of finishes. We get the sign off. We say, thanks very much. We've been trained. Now, at this point... That's the finish of those repeatables that are kind of brought into play here. But there's one really big thing, which is how do we support it going forward? Mm-hmm. Because really, we want this team to move on to the next intake. So coming back to your point about support, well, how do we then support this going forward? And that's something that we're working on at the moment to make sure that we don't just onboard something and then leave them at the moment. Yeah. Current delivery team are having to do the, the kind of support day to day support as well which is very heavy on their time mm-hmm. so i think that sorry, it's about support there but it's no, no, no. The flow <laughs> no no that's great that's, and, and there's some really key and interesting points that that bit about support that you, you mentioned there you know in the in the latest version of the, the podcast with with rob he talked about that quite a lot as well and that's the the sre although we're not calling it sre um, function which would you know potentially help pick up that with the embedded technical skills in these teams which again you mentioned about really helping drive and support user adoption and make sure people are trained and making sure yeah. people are enforcing standards and it's just then the right hand shakes the left hand and it's this continual cycle and you get everyone on board with that that literally is a continual cycle of 
improvement of, of enforcement of standards, holding people to account and just continually marching in the same direction as an organization, which you get yeah. to that point and that's like ultimate nirvana, right? Forget the capabilities of the tool for a moment, just having everyone go in the right, the, the right direction with the same mindset of this is what we're doing and all periphery ideas and, you know, little channels that you would get of people going off in here and buying that on their credit card and doing this and doing that, they disappear because everyone's a single mind marching towards the end goal, yeah. I think is, is so we have to be we have to be really cognizant of the fact that this is going to take off. People, mm. you know, we've presented it upwards and they love it. So yeah. it's gonna it's gonna really um help focus the teams on what exactly they need to be working on you know not 200 mm -hmm. emails of alerts coming in but 200 down to 10 alerts saves them not only time but then they know what the, where the critical problems are now here's yeah. the rub right it gets so popular it's like any small startup company and it becomes mm -hmm. too big too soon and we haven't got that support in place and we haven't got a way of handling the intake that's coming in you yeah. you've got a reputational problem then yeah. so this is something I know that the, uh, Ashley and, and Rob and myself are working really closely on is, well, whoa, 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 it's lovely that everyone's keen, but let's make sure that we're robust enough to support it going forward. It's like any other business. You've got to be able to support going forward. It's almost as important as the success of the, on of the onboarding. It's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Number yeah. one, that team go too slowly. We can't afford to wait for them. Therefore, we're going to go and do our thing. Exactly. And number two, that team goes too quickly and we're not supported afterwards and they've just rolled it out and you know we've got further needs that are required and no one supports us and no one cares about us. They've just forced this on us and now we're doing this, so we're going to go and do our yeah. thing. And, and there's and a I real tightrope in the middle. Yeah. yeah. yeah, when, yeah. I jo when I joined, it was one of the things that Ashley kind of was really focused on wasn't Ashley you were like whoa you know we've got to get this how are we going to support this yeah and especially with DCT and um, Azure you know coming to a, a conclusion quicker than probably what some of the other projects are because they're a bit more complex we're just doing baseline infrastructure stuff in, in them spaces but we need to make sure that if there is something that needs to be tweaked or changed or something isn't working as expected, there is that function available for the support teams that are consumers of these tools to go and speak to to get whatever they needed amended. Because without it, you know, as soon as something needs, people will move away from it. If they can't get the response from, I need this tweak changing or I need this configuration amended, if there isn't that ability for them to make changes or fix things they just won't use the tool no i think yeah and and that is uh that is one of the biggest challenges the technology stuff is almost the the easy part although you know it's vastly complicated what we're doing it's it's getting the the humans to to use something that's new and scary and shiny and changes the way that they've worked um which i think you you've articulated very eloquently dawn on you know the challenges you've had and how you're approaching it yeah, and I think that's only just using... So the, the bit we haven't touched on around user adoption is this idea that we spoke about before, Phil, of thresholds mm. and not setting them locally. So that bit's got to come, and I think we're going to have to start introducing that as part of the um, definition of done, Dawn, done, Dawn, um, <laughs> is that we, we don't... When we onboard a service, we kind of have to say either you can have local thresholds in your observability tools but they're not going to raise tickets directly in service now 
the way a ticket gets raised in ServiceNow is via the ITOM event management or HLA tool, not via the observability tool directly. Yeah. They can use thresholds to build a dashboard view that's important to them on their application, but they don't create incidents. You're right. It's the learned, the machine learned baseline of normal operational function for that digital stack. That's what generates the incidents and the actual outsides. Um, but it's getting everybody things, to understand the, the, hand up, the handoff points, even within the tool. So you yeah. know, the, the first bit, well, we can do local thresholds, but the second bit goes through HLA and then that does the other. It, it, it's quite, it's such a new thing for the teams to get their head around. They just think of thresholds and it going all the way through. And it's that threshold that they set that spits out the incident at the end. They don't really understand that there's a couple of places you can set them. So the training element and the handover element is really important. Yeah, and I think it feels like the, you know, the the marketing piece around that. You need a bunch of engaging videos and content that explains the mission and why, but then the how, like how it works, because yeah. there's going to be trust issues, right? You know, well, if you're telling me I don't need to set thresholds to generate incidents, and I'm supposed to trust your shiny box. That's a black hole to me that I've never seen before and I have no understanding of it. Yet, if it doesn't catch something, I'm the person that gets, you know, burned. There's a whole trust narrative that needs to run around that too. And I think to go in day one and say, oh, it's going to be perfect from day one. Well, no, it's not going to. There are going to be issues, but we're going to support and work and nurture and grow it. Um, but that, you know, you're not going to be held you know, um, solely to account if something is missed uh, whilst it's doing its learning profile and, you know, it's building those those upper and lower and normal behavior boundary sets that we're, we're really impressing on people. So I think that's probably a biggest part of the user engagement is to get them to trust what we're telling them because, you know, it all sounds a bit too good to be true sometimes. And my grand always told me if it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Um you know, so we've got to really win the, the, the cheesiest saying in the world. Yeah. But it's that hearts and minds piece, isn't it? Well, I think the short videos is a, is a great thing that we need to be looking into. And, and actually, I know that um, Damien's done a great set for the CMDB elements of yeah. it. And we could follow the same trend, you know, literally two minute bites where they can go to a help portal and go, oh, OK, so how do I see my alert or mm-hmm. how do I change a threshold or how do I you know, go to my dashboard. Um, I think that would be really useful for everybody concerned because you only sometimes really want a two minute bite of just a reminder of, so where is it I go to, to have a look at the, (laughs) it's that you don't want to listen to the hours training session that the guys have gone to and go to the right bit. You just want to have those little bites. Yeah. Like the, uh, the, when I was studying for my GCSEs, what feels like forever ago, there was a great series at the BBC or CBBC, I think, around at the time. It was called Bite Size. And you yep. would literally go in, it would be like a three-minute video on you know, this piece of history or that piece or this or that that was going to be covered yep. in the GCSE um, syllabus that year. We need to do that I, I and it still evolve. Yeah, they stays in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. It's just easier. Like, oh, yeah, what did I remember? That was it. And it had a funny animation or there was a, a good line about it or I remember a visual thing that was really kind of sunk at home to me. And then you need to do the other ones because there are different types of learners out there, right? You need to do like a written document and then you do a, a, a visual PowerPoint and then a video because that will cover everyone and it's all linked together nicely hosted on the ServiceNow knowledge um, uh, capability on, on the portal so we can go and look at it. Hmm. 
Not food for thought. Not a food for thought. Ashley, you got anything you want to you want to chime in with me? Um, no, I don't think so at this point. I mean, I think without without Dawn, and sorry, Dawn, I'm going to gloat about you here. <laughs> without Dawn stepping in and, and and insisting on that definition of done, you know, we, we could have things that are just rolling month after month after month, and the team would never they would always be working on that same product still. Mm. And that definition of done definition of done has been critical uh, for the digital digital operations team to be able to draw a line in the sand, hand it over, um, and then move on to the next item that needs in the intake. And then coming on to the intake, that idea of creating your sausage factory of uh, steps that you need to go through, again, just makes things so much easier. Um, and, you know, that's all down to Dawn, to be honest. Mm. Well, so no. it's, it's a fantastic team, to be honest, just to step into this team six weeks ago. I mean, kind of was working parallel with them on another project. Um, it just made it, it really quite easy to do, in all honesty. Um, but just sort of going on to the intake piece, we are now thinking really about well, how do we get the intake and how do we make that easy for people? So standard, standardise it into the uh, ServiceNow IT portal, make it an mm-hmm. option to select, have standard questions like summarise your problem statement, summarise your ask, what, what are you seeing that you think we can help with? Who would be your champion? Let's get those now. Let's get them at the intake point. Who, who is the lead? Who are the people that support? Get the information actually on the IT portal, on the intake. If they want, if they want our, the, the AI ops functionality, then tell us, get the, the business to actually do a bit of upfront working and tell us the information because then we'll be able to go through and determine the biggest problem or, or even just flow through the intake. So that's something we're really thinking about in the next PI because we just know that myself and Margaret and Ashley can't be the ones just going out all the time to the business. We've got to have the business mm-hmm. help us a little bit by coming through to the proper intake process. And I think that'll only help as we start to get more and more uh, demand on the on the capability, right? I mean, you're at the, the same architect um, ERB yeah. that I was at a couple of weeks ago. And demand appeared from that call alone that it was just going to skyrocket. Skyrocket, you know. <laughs> they were really engaged. They were really excited about it. Asking about other capabilities: is it transferable? What can I do for X, Y, and Z? So you need a front door in to allow people in. You now need to be able to rank the uh, the urgency and the importance to the business and the impact it can have, and a way of keeping these people updated. And that is a really, really uh, you know, sensible way of doing it to build that into the ServiceNow portal and make it familiar for people to use. Um, I know. So I, think I, I think I complained to Ashley afterwards that his presentation that he pulled together was way too successful. And I sat there <laughs> with my head in my hands going, how on earth are we going to cope with the volume of intake? Now, it's a nice problem to have, right? Yeah. And that, or we just address that problem by going, okay, well, we need to build an intake process and we need to build it pretty quickly. Um, and it needs to be very simple. You know, let's not overcomplicate it. What are the basic questions we need? Get that through. And then we as a team who meet up very regularly um, can do the can work with the business and prioritize. So, yeah, 24 or 23 next year, financial year 24 is going to be fairly full on, I would say. And, um, yeah, it was too good. Too good as a presentation, right, Ash? <laughs> I don't know. I- I, I couldn't make it. <laughs> I know, right? He set, he set it up and then he never turned up himself. It was, uh, 
I was gutted that you weren't there. It was really good. Yeah. It was, but, but, but Rob did do you justice in the, the way he presented them. But uh, yeah, your slideware was awesome, and I'm stealing some of it. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, listen, Dawn, it's been fantastic having you on. I think it would be great to get you back, you know, probably in, in late January, February next year to see how you're getting on with that intake piece and update yeah. this after the next round of PI and, okay. and talk about the, the enhancers in adoption and stuff. That would be really great. This is a, a common thread that we see across a lot of our customers when we're out there. Is, you know, we've built it. It's not just build it and they will, they will come. You build it. How do we get them to use it and how do we keep innovating and moving it forward? Yeah. So. Thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come and talk to us. Um, no problem. And yeah, no, brilliant. It's been, it's been great. Thanks a lot. Ashley, I'll speak to you on the next one. You will indeed. Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Thank you, Dawn. Bye. Thanks, you. Congratulations on making it to the end of another podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. As usual, if you're not subscribed, please definitely consider it and leave any comments or suggestions on how we can improve the podcast series further in the usual place.